0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome, and thank you once again for joining me. Today is uh, June the thirtieth of two thousand sixteen, the last day of June. Wow, um, amazing! Amazing time just flies by, and uh, we are continuing with our our guideposts. Know the words. Jesus in 30 Days by J. Stephen Lang. And the wind blows where it pleases is where we're at, and this is the second part. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the beginning of this day, dear Lord, and I just pray that you just be with us, each and every one, and as a lot of us will be probably taken off for the holiday uh, weekend here, uh, Friday, um, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, as we uh, celebrate the independence day on monday uh, lord i just pray that you just be with us and keep us safe dear lord and travel and and in all the activities of my father and i just my heart goes out to those that are suffering from the various uh tragedies going on around the world natural and man-made and lord i just pray that you just continue to be with us protect us Lord keep us and Lord I just pray that you just bless the ears that hear this program and touch those who have a heart to listen and come closer to you In your son Jesus name I thank you amen well before I get started I want to say I hope and pray that you all have a really great and glorious weekend and uh, and uh, also an enjoyable day to day for a lot of us, it'll be our last work day until Tuesday of next week. And, uh, of course, I'll be with you uh, Independence Day on Monday to start uh, a new session. Well, in the meantime, uh, let's get started with uh, the wind blows where it pleases. And I have finished uh, the last one with the believers could uh, remain watchful for a second coming, but also keep secure in the awareness of the Counselor, perhaps in this crucial role of the Spirit, the word Comforter, used in some translations, is entirely appropriate. Breathing out the Spirit, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighs. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And that's John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22. In the latter chapter, we will look closely at the saying Jesus spoke to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This particular post-resurrection story is appropriate here because it concerns the giving of the Spirit Christians remember the day of Pentecost as the birthday of the church when the Holy Spirit descended upon the Apostles like a mighty wind and making them bold proclaimers of the gospel message and that's Acts 2 however John 20 shows that they had in fact received the Spirit already And the famous Acts 2 episode was a matter of the Spirit coming upon them in power. The time here is Easter Sunday when the disciples know that Jesus' tomb is empty and have heard from Mary Magdalene that she had seen the risen Lord. But for now, they fear for their own safety, wondering if the same Jewish authorities who had Jesus crucified may intending to harm them as well. Were they expecting to be incriminated as the followers of the crucified Jesus or did they fear that as rumors of his resurrection circulated they would be accused of stealing the body. Their fears are dispelled when Jesus enters through locked doors and greets them with peace be with you. Peace E-I-R E-N-E In Greek, and Shalom, and Hebrew, was a familiar greeting among the Jews, but in the Old Testament was also spoken by angels to calm the frightened humans they encountered, as in the case of Gideon, Judges 6, chapter 23, and Daniel, Daniel, chapter 10, verse 19. Since this is the first appearance of the risen Jesus to the disciples, His peace be with you, which he says three times in this chapter, is more than a greeting. It is like the calming words of the angels. In the case of the disciples, they had no reason to believe that Jesus would come to them gently and lovingly, for they had forsaken him and fled when he was seized. Peace might have been the last greeting they expected to hear especially given his early warning about how they would disown those who disowned him. Yet he not only greets them with peace, but a moment later breathes on them and they receive the Spirit. There is clearly a connection between the Spirit and the peace For Paul wrote that the kingdom of God consisted of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's Romans Chapter 14, verse 17. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. That's Romans, chapter 8, verse 6. The disciples are understandably overjoyed, but Jesus has more in mind than calming their fears. He has a task for them. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is John's version of the Great Commission. Jesus sending his disciples out to the world and giving them the Holy Spirit for the work they must do. The fact that he breathes on them is meant to recall Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where God breathes into Adam the breath of life. Recall that T N E U M A in Greek and Raqqa, R-U-A-C-H in Hebrew, both mean breath and spirit. God breathed the breath of life into Adam. Now at this second creation, Jesus breathed the spirit into the disciples, giving them eternal life. John's readers would also have recalled one of the most famous chapters in the Old Testament. The prophet Ezekiel's vision of a valley full of dry bones, with God bringing the bones to life with his breath, spirit. And you'll find that in Ezekiel 37, chapter 4 through 10. God addressed Ezekiel as son of man. And now another son of man, Jesus, who has himself been brought to life, causes the breath of eternal life to enter his followers. Jesus had made good on his promise to give his followers the counselor, the spirit. This spirit, God breathes is the source of life, not biological life, but eternal life. John uses the same Greek word for breath, as it is used in the Greek translation for Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and Ezekiel 37, verse 8. John may have intended his readers to notice that on this first day of the week, creation begins new. Acts and the epistles will show that the disciples become the apostles, the sent ones, acting in the power of the Spirit, spreading the gospel far and wide. They would become, in the words of Paul, Christ ambassadors, as though God, were making his appeal through us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. As his ambassadors, they would fulfill his mandate to make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's Matthew 28, verse 19. While the disciples had been in hiding, fearful of what the Jewish authorities might do to them, after they received the Spirit, they were bold as lions. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Where had, where there had been fear, there would be world-changing spiritual power. Blasphemy against the Spirit. They brought him a him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him, so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How, then, can this kingdom stand? But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or, again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? then he can rob his house he who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters and so I tell you every sin and blaspheme will be forgiven men but the blaspheme against the spirit will not be forgiven anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come And that's Matthew, verse 12, chapter 22 and 32. We conclude this chapter on the Spirit with a close look at the verse that has puzzled and frightened many Bible readers, the unpardonable sin verse. In context, it will prove not to be as puzzling at all. So many people read or hear only the words near the end of this passage. Every sin and blaspheme will be forgiven men, but the blaspheming against the spirit will not be forgiven many people have lost sleep over these words wondering have I committed this sin that will not be forgiven just what is blaspheme against the spirit the context here is a healing story a poor man is blind and mute his affliction attributed to the power of the demons Jesus as on other occasions, drives the demons out and the man is healed some of the witnesses are astonished by the show of this power and wonder is this Jesus son of David the Messiah devils are the cultural insight here devils and demons in the Bible there are many demons but only one devil Satan some translations refer to Jesus casting out devils but this is not correct for devil is always singular and Jesus was casting out demons the Gospels use Satan a Hebrew word meaning adversity adversary or enemy and the devil from the Greek word Diablos meaning slander or accuser to refer to the same evil being who opposes God at every turn. This is obviously the right assumption, but Jesus' critics make the opposite assumption. Jesus has power over demons because he is in cahoots with Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. As on the other occasions, Jesus acts and the words, device decisive they invoke both admiration and hostility who was Beelzebub anyway the now, the name Beelzebub is found in second Kings chapter 1 verse 2 and 6 where is the name applied to one of the gods of the pageants pagans of Ekron the name Beelzebub in Hebrew means Baal, Lord of the Flies. Probably the God's actual name was Beelzebub, Baal the Prince. The Jews sometimes thought of pagan gods as being demons opposed to the true God. So over time, the name Beelzebub or Beelzebub or Beelzebub, spelling very, came to refer to the prince of demons, meaning Satan himself. Ironically, Jesus, who had resisted the temptation of Satan, was now being accused of drawing on the power of Satan to perform his miracles. The Pharisees have reduced Jesus, the divine healer, to a common magician, one with demonic power. Did you know when John Milton's epic poem *Paradise Lost*, Beelzebub is second, is second in command to Satan, and it is he who suggests to Satan that all the demons should thwart God by corrupting the newly created Adam and Eve. And did you also know that the Pharisee, the praise, the phrase, the phrase, "A house divided," is often attributed to Abraham Lincoln. Who in his speech made the point that America could not long endure slavery? Lincoln's audience that day probably knew that he was quoting Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 12, verse 25 in the King James Version Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. There are, of course, Mistaken, but Jesus' response to them also shows they are not even being logical. If Jesus was driving out demons by the power of Beelzebub, then the demons were in a state of civil war, which could surely not be. Satan is evil, but he is not stupid, and his power is not divided against itself. The strong man in verse 29 is Satan. Jesus is saying that no man can have power over demons, Satan's possessions, unless he already has power over the owner of the demons, Satan. The strong man has already been bound, and now the possessions are being plundered. It might be pressing the words too far to ask when the strong man, Satan, was bound. But perhaps Jesus was telling his critics and as that Satan's powers, though it is great, is strictly limited. That knowledge alone should give us courage. But the Pharisees' lack of logic and how they think about Satan and demons is not the real issue here. Their grievous sin is that they have witnessed the power of God at the work, and instead of praising him, they attribute it to the power of evil. Jesus was Emmanuel meaning God with us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. His enemies were accusing him of being Beelzebub with us. This was blasphemy against the Spirit, turning the truth inside out, not only rejecting the divine Son of God in his work, but also accusing him of doing the works of darkness. Such people never could dream of asking for forgiveness. Quite the contrary. They thought it was Jesus, the evil tool of Beelzebub, who needed to repent or be stoned. Attributing the healing of the demon possessed to the power of demons shows a warped mind and spirit, a perverse desire to twist an obvious act of good into an act of an occult power. Calling evil good and good evil is in sense the first temptation of mankind. In the garden of Eden the certain told Eve that if she ate of the forbidden fruit she would be like a God knowing good and evil meaning she not God would define for herself what was good and what was evil woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. The right reaction to an encounter with Jesus would be the words of Peter in Luke, chapter 5, verse 8. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. The reaction of the perverse Pharisees is quite the opposite. Jesus is the sinner. No, even worse, he is the power of Satan. Someone in such a as theirs, could never think of repenting. Rather than honoring him as the man sent from God, they looked down on him as a dabbler in the demonic. In Luke's version of this story, Jesus says, If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And that's chapter 11, verse 20. And Luke, use a finger calls to mind The Moses Saga in Exodus, where the Pharaoh's court magicians were astonished by the miracles that Moses works. The magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. Exodus chapter 8 verse 19. Those who blaspheme against the Spirit are like Pharaoh deliberately hardening their hearts refusing to acknowledge the power of God. Jesus' use of the term finger of God would itself have riled up the Pharisees who held such a lofty view of God that they tried to ignore the many references in the Old Testament to God's face or hand or mouth. They did not like to speak of God's body parts even though no one believe God possessed literal hands or fingers. Jesus says that anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. That is, people who reject him as Messiah can be forgiven if they later come to faith. The Apostle Paul is the best example of this, deep faith atoning for previous hostility. But attributing divine works to the power of evil is hopeless. A person who does this cannot be reached spiritually. The martyr Stephan lamentated, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 7 verse 51. But as countless sermons have pointed out, a person who worries about whether he has blasphemed against the Spirit, almost certainly, has not done so for his concern shows he is not spiritually hopeless yet is not yet lost like those who attributed Jesus works to the power of evil there is another possible meaning for anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven Jesus may be referring here to himself as the son of man but he may also be saying simply against man In Mark's version of this episode, Jesus says that the Son of Man can be forgiven. And he is simply using the plural of Son of Man. Remember that Son of Man could mean simply man or human being. In other words, whatever horrible sins we commit against the sons of men, other human beings, theft, idolatry, murder, rape, arson, whatever, can be forgiven. But blaspheming against the Spirit, accusing God of evil, is beyond forgiveness. Jesus, so familiar with the Old Testament, may have had in mind the words of the priest, Eli, to his wayward sons. If a man sins against another man, God may meditate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? that's verse Samuel chapter 2 verse 25 note that Jesus says he who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters Jesus is saying that not to decide is to decide if we are not with him on God's side we are against him there is no place for neutrality or magnetism, and I think about that tomorrow is not an option. The image is military. A war is going on, and one must choose sides. The Pharisees have chosen. Once they decided Jesus' power was from the devil, logically, they had to try to stop him. Thus, the more miracles he worked, the greater their opposition. Naturally, since the Pharisees were respected by the people. They assumed their condemnation of Jesus as satanic would have an effect on his following, and it probably did. We will look at the Pharisees' hostility again in later chapters. In (laughs) In concluding this session, it is worth noting that Mark's version of this story is preceded by Jesus' family coming to take charge of him because they believed he is out of his mind. Note the pattern of misconcerting and rejection. His family says he is insane. His enemies say that he is in league with demons. Note also that in Mark, the family of Jesus serves as bookends to the blasphemy episode, for they appear again afterward, asking for him, the Son of God. Of the Spirit to usher in the kingdom of heaven, we constantly misunderstood. A cultural insight here blasphemy. Among the Greeks, the word blasphemy referred to any kind of abusive speech or mockery. Religiously, it meant intervening toward the gods. The Jews invested the word with a deeper meaning, arrogant, defiance of God, speaking maliciously about God or even about the law of or the temple, was considered blasphemy. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 14, mandated that a blasphemer be put to death by the whole community. Take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who hurt him are to lay their hands on his head, and the entire assembly is to stone him. John's Gospel shows that on more than one occasion Jesus' Jewish opponents were about to stone him for blasphemy, and in Acts, the saintly Stephan, the first Christian martyr, was stoned as a blasphemer. Jesus was condemned as a blasphemer by the Jews, ruling council, but in deference of the deference to the Romans, they turned Jesus over to them for execution, although the Romans we had no interest in Jewish religious matters, executed Jesus as a political threat, not as a blasphemer. The early Christians, of course, saw Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of God, not as a blasphemer. And so, the real blasphemers were those who worked to destroy Jesus. The Roman Empire, Constantine, who became a Christian in the year 312, made it illegal for Jews to stone Jewish converts to Christianity as blasphemers. Putting the Word to Work Nicodemus, a member of the religious Messiah, was told by Jesus that the Spirit was like wind, invisible, yet active and powerful. The establishment he represented was hostile to the Spirit working through Jesus and the Apostles. Have you ever been part of a religious group that seemed closed to the working of the Spirit? How did you handle this? The Spirit is said to be in and with the believer. In what ways are you sometimes aware of God as living active presence within you? Jesus speaks of Spirit of Truth. What are some occasions when you felt god enabled you to see a situation more clearly giving you an insight you did not possess on your own jesus sends his disciples out into the world and empowers them with the spirit who are individuals or groups you have known who genuinely seem to do their work under the power of god now that you have Look closely at the passage about blaspheming against the spirit. Ask yourself, have you known people who actually attributed good deeds to evil motives? What was the source of their spiritual blindness? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this reading, Lord, and I ask that you just bless those that hear these words. Bless them as they go about their day. And bless those dear heavenly father that need to know you that hear these words prick their heart lord and treat them to come to know you better i give you thanks in jesus name amen well folks until we meet next time we will begin again with another day have a blessed one and a glorious weekend be safe be kind enjoy hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over the